I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The presenting sponsor of today's podcast is Fifth Element CBD. Fifth Element is ultra-high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are specially designed for people with an active lifestyle from weekend warriors to professional athletes to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth Element, a.k.a. 5E, is full-spectrum high milligram hemp to help you whenever, wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the promo code MONSTER for 50% off. Yes, you heard that right. 50% off. Half off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code MONSTER. Go to 5ehemp and get 50% off. That's the number 5, the letter E, hemp.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Over the Monster podcast. As is the case every week, it is me, your host, Matt Collins, and I am back with Brian Joyner, who is still not on vacation. He's not gone back. Brian, how you doing in the heat? Are you uh, are you surviving? I am, but I want to go back. Be nice and cool, I would imagine, if you're on an island. Cooler, at least, surrounded Cooler. by the... The ocean breezes, such as they are, if they are blowing that day. I just booked a uh, Caribbean vacation for 
my girlfriend and I next winter, so I get that to look forward to, although I'm not really trying to think about heat right now. But yeah, those those vacations those vacations are the best. I remember riding the subway in the winter and they have the it was always one island or Caribbean nation that would buy out all the New York City subway cars and you just like they're taunting you. They do it in February. <laughs> do it in february it's intentional um so you will enjoy that but until then you are going to roast alive yes and the main humidity i can't i can't really complain we are not uh we are not getting it as bad as the other portland across the country so i can complain a little but not not quite as bad as matt Corey and the other oregonians or whatever you call them i don't think you think matt needs a reason to complain no, but I think he has one. Yes, he does. Two, if you count the leadoff spot. <laughs> I think he is. We could find more than that. Maybe Jaron Duran in there, too. Uh, but the Red Sox, see that transition there? Red Sox do not have much to complain about. The Red Sox have won four in a row. Uh, they, Since we've last spoken, they have swept the Yankees. Uh, they won the first game against the Royals on Monday. Uh, we are recording this Tuesday afternoon, so as we are speaking, the second game has not yet happened. Um, so hopefully by the time you're listening to this, they have won five in a row, but we cannot make any promises. Uh, but obviously, for the most part, things are good. As Brian noted before we started recording, the Red Sox are tied for the best record in the American League with the Astros. Um, only the Giants, the surprising Giants, have a better record in all of baseball. So things are good, but we are going to start. And we are going to spend some time talking about one of the few negatives for the Red Sox right now because there is one one question kind of swirling over this team and swirling over this rotation. We got another peek at it on Monday. Uh, that would be Garrett Richards. Garrett Richards has been having a strange season. He got off to a terrible start, turned it around in a big way, um, then had pretty good results but not really looking as sharp for a little while. And then his last four starts, he's just totally cratered. He's got a 9-1-8 ERA over that time, nine strikeouts, seven walks, and 16 two-thirds. It's, it's been ugly, and it's impossible to avoid the fact that it's also coincided pretty much perfectly with the league cracking down on pitchers using sticky stuff. And Richards has been a big spin rate guy. That was part of the reason he was so appealing in the offseason, and obviously spin rate is at the center of the sticky stuff crackdown and Richards has been seeing major drops in his spin rate um, he has not been very shy about talking about using this stuff and um, he said he felt fortunate for being able to use it for so long clearly he needs to figure something out he got lit up for the first few innings first two innings against Kansas City gave up three home runs five runs total in those two innings um, did turn around a little bit after that but um, hard to get past the overall line. Gave up five runs. Um, did start to change up his repertoire a little bit moving on. Started using a sinker more, four seam less. Started using a new changeup. Uh, he broke out like a 60-something mile an hour curveball, which he has never thrown before to my knowledge. So he's trying to work on some things, but the results still weren't there. Where are you with Richards right now? Is it is it time to move on? Is the sticky stuff timing with his poor run enough to move on does did those last few innings where he turned it around buy him more time i mean just generally where are you right now with garrett richards i think the last few innings might have bought him a, a small amount of time also because i think they're just going on 
several schedules, one of which is Tanner Houck's, one of which is Chris Sales. And I don't think that either of those guys, or especially not um, Sale, but I don't think that they're ready to put Houck up in the rotation yet. So I think, I don't even know if he bought the time. I think he already had the time, but I think he bought some goodwill within that time, um, at least to, and we'll get to this, to make his next start. Uh, you know, it. he's, you know, he, he's confronting the problem and he's definitely trying different things. He's not, as of yesterday, he's no longer fulfilling the de uh, definition of insanity. Um, but I think, and we've talked about this with regard to the leadoff spot, if they just keep winning, the impetus to make a drastic, not to make a change, because he's been so bad that I could see them making a change anyway, even though they've been winning, but to drastically speed up a timeline when I think that they're pretty close to the to, to things coming into line, I don't see happening. Do you disagree? No, I think you're I think you're probably right. Um I don't know, I'm having a little bit of a hard time. After those first two two innings on Monday, I was pretty vocal on the old Twitter machine um, saying it's probably time for Richards. Um, he looks like he's toast and then he did turn it around. Um, and I mean, you're right with sale. He's obviously not ready. I think how could be ready if they needed him to just to throw like four innings or so for a first start if they really needed him to. But I guess I'm probably with you that Richards did buy a little more time. I'm more skeptical because it's not like he was dominating. It's not like he just started like missing bats like crazy. He gave up a hit every inning, even after he sort of settled down and gave up a couple in his last inning. Um, and he was facing the Royals. I mean, this was not, he was not going up against the Astros or the Rays or the Yankees or whatever big offense. Oh, well, wait, or, wait, 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 what was that third team? I know I threw there? the Yankees in there, but the Yankees, yeah, I, don't think they I, mean, I don't know. They might, I think they could still hit. Uh, Garrett Richards, though. And, I mean, my point is the Royals are one of the weakest uh, hitting offenses in baseball. And Adalberto Mondesi, he hasn't really had a good year, but he did kill the Red Sox last time. He's not playing because he's injured. Andrew Penatendi's injured right now. Um, so, I mean, there are, I don't know that Richards having, like, three solid innings against a bad offense should be enough, but I think you're probably right that it is enough. Yeah, I just think that it's not going to force their hand when the schedule has pretty much worked to this point. And they've let people work out of funks. Now, I don't think they've gone on this long, but they let Martin, Martin Perez do it. So I don't see a, an imminent change, I, but I do. Um, and by that, I mean, like by the time people hear this podcast, unlike last week when I was talking about how I thought Chris Herman <laughs> would come up over Connor Wong and that, half an hour after recorded it uh, was obsolete. So I don't think that'll happen again, but it's possible by this time next week, if he just gets pounded again, that that is not the case. Yeah. Especially so I think because the all-star break is coming up and that would be a natural time to mess with things. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's where I was going to go. I mean, the all-star break is just such a natural break in the schedule. Obviously it's called a break. Um, so, I mean, that would be the time to do it. And I think if Hauk was 
fully healthy, full, I mean, I think he's fully healthy, but fully stretched out. He only threw, I think, three innings. He's made one start coming back from the IL. He's only thrown three innings, so I think that would probably make them a little hesitant to make that move. Um, and with the all-star break, I'm guessing he'll get at least one more start, but I don't know that that's what I would do if I was in charge. So I gave you, what did I do, five options to choose from for your preferred move with Richards. Use an opener in front of him next time out. Uh, put him on a phantom IL stint with Tanner Houck taking a spot. Put Richards in the bullpen with Tanner Houck coming up and taking a spot in the rotation. Uh, holding off on any Richards decision until Chris Sale is getting ready to be ready to return, which I guess would probably be about a month-ish from now, three to four weeks. Um, or just put it in a holding pattern for one start. Make him make a normal or let him make a normal start um, in Oakland this weekend. Which would you go with? The last one. I think that he's going to let him start, start in Oakland. Oakland. So, yes, I think that that is. I don't think it matters what I say. I think that's definitely going to happen. But I think that uh, it's it's to the point where you could consider it start to start. Yeah, I think I think so too. I think I would. It's really hard, obviously, to make this determination without knowing the medical. Information with Tanner Houck and, I mean, even being able to interpret it, which I would not be able to, but um, I guess if they were worried about Houck maybe pushing himself a little bit harder in the majors or um, feeling pressure to let him go a little deeper than maybe they would in AAA and they are worried about the possibility of him getting hurt again, I would probably stick with Richards. But if they are if they were not worried about that, I think I would put Richards on the injured list. Um, I think... There's a case to be made for letting him pitch in Oakland, certainly. Um, even beyond that, just getting him back on the West Coast, maybe that would make him a little more comfortable, give him a little more time to tinker with the repertory he started using towards the latter half of that start on Monday. Maybe that all works out, but I just, I really haven't had that much confidence in Richards for most of this season. Um, and this, this recent run certainly isn't making me feel any better. So I would like to see him just get a couple weeks off to clear his head like I said I don't see that happening but I think I would if Hauk was okay to make the start and if there wasn't any major concern about him suffering a setback or injuring himself again I would probably prefer Tanner Hauk at the ball um, in Oakland than Richards at this point you are the one who said you didn't like Phantom DL stints I don't you've come I know. I just had to see Garrett Richards give up three home runs to the Royals in two innings to uh, finally break me. I mean, I I really don't like it, especially for Garrett Richards. Somebody like Richards, it's probably not great from that standpoint. A guy with an injury history putting him on the IL, and I'm sure he probably wouldn't love it, but I don't know. I mean, it just seems like he needs a break, and he could probably use a rehab start in AAA, and this is the way to get it to him. Um, I guess you really can't do that without having him at least a little on board, but in a fantasy world where I'm a like video game GM, I think that's that's the move I would want to make. Or fantasy world where you're a fantasy baseball GM. Same thing. I don't want to do that. I purposely don't do that anymore. I'm aware you left <laughs> our league. I know. I feel okay about it. Um... So I'm not gonna. We're not gonna go through the whole process again. We've we've ranked this rotation. I don't know four times already this season. I don't know how many of those actually episodes actually got released, but we've done it a bunch. Um, we don't have to go through one through five, but I do kind of want to take a quick look at where Richards lies in this rotation. Is he the clear fifth starter to you right now? Is he the guy who 
loses his job if Tanner Houck forces his way on or Chris Sale comes back? Is he the number five guy in the rotation right now? Of course. I don't know how he couldn't be. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you just still don't believe in Martin Perez, which I still kind of don't believe in Martin Perez, but yeah, I mean, Garrett Richards just... Without the... I don't know. He needs to prove that he can pitch without this stuff. And maybe he can, and maybe... It is the narrative is getting a little overblown, and it's just some poor coincidental timing on for him. But I mean, it just the pitches he was throwing in those first two innings yesterday on Monday were just garbage. I mean, they were sliders that aren't moving. They were fastballs that really were just floating right into the middle of the zone, and I mean, just no bite to them. Usually, his fastball cuts a little. They weren't doing it. Um, he just doesn't look like a major league starter right now. Um, does this performance from Richards, does that make you feel they need to be any more aggressive on the starting pitching market for the trade deadline? Or is, are they still pretty much in a decent spot where obviously it would help to go look at somebody like a Max Scherzer or whatever other stars out there, but it's not as urgent as maybe we would have expected it to be. I think the Scherzer thing is out and I don't think that they are. Yeah, I don't. No, I, I don't think that name out there. I don't think that they're going to look to add a starter because I think that between Hauk and Sale, they have internal options and they cost. Internal options don't cost anything, so um, that's what I expect them to lean on. And they also have the, they have, they have another internal option that we, that, which is just a bullpen day that they haven't had to do, but their bullpen is very good. So they could do it if they needed to. So that's three internal options. I don't see them going after another starter. Yeah. I think the bullpen is a good point because I mean, we got so used to it last year. It seems like every other day they were going with a bullpen day. Um, And like you said, they haven't done it. I don't think they've done it once this year. Maybe they have done it once and that's it. Um, And I mean, they have guys, they have Garrett Whitlock, they have, Matt Andrees, guys who can go three innings if you really need to. They have a Yaxel Rios who can go a couple innings uh, down in AAA. They have Phillips Valdez who can go a couple innings. So they do have guys who can throw those innings. They also have Connor Siebold, who's still not pitching. Um, but I think they're expecting him to be back at some point this year, so he could enter that mix as well. I think I think you're probably right. Between Hulk and Sale, that's probably enough depth enough depth um for this rotation i do i do get a little worried and this is just sort of paranoid brain and it's just the way my mind works and i can't stop it but i do kind of have a bad feeling that as soon as they don't trade for anybody on august 1st they're just going to start losing starters one by one to injury um but i mean even a trade wouldn't really be able to fix that kind of that kind of issue so i do get a little worried with their depth especially not knowing where they are with Seabold, but unless you can get a, a Scherzer, which, like you said, that's probably not going to happen. The Nationals are turning things around. Um, I don't really know that it's worth it to get another guy who might be like Nick Pavetta or Martin Perez or somebody like that. So you're probably right. Uh, as frustrating as it is with Richards, they probably don't need to don't need to rush to make a move. I don't think it has anything to do really with the Nats turning it. Or, I mean, it has something to do with that. But I think it would entirely be from the Red Sox and the cost is just not going to I'm not saying that I agree with it, but I think that they probably look at it like the the cost would not be worth 
um, Scherzer, even though our friend Craig, who we've mentioned on this show before, has a very good tweet about the value of adding Max Scherzer versus <laughs> smarter moves made by Rays-like franchises. Um, so, you know, I think that every team should try to add Max Scherzer, but I do not think the Red Sox will. Yeah, that's probably a fair point. I mean, unless they suffered a couple injuries or some, something drastically changed from where they stand now, that's that's probably true. I, I do hope that they are willing to spend something at the deadline, but you're probably right that it wouldn't be starting pitching. It would be first or second base or bullpen or whatever, and it might not, be, not even be that. Um, last thing with Garrett Richards, over or under four more starts for him this year. With the Red Sox. I'll go over. Go over. I'm going to go under. I really have a bad feeling about this. Um, and some, I mean, somebody pointed this out to me on Twitter last night, um, Monday night, which I guess is fair, that I and others were saying the same thing after his first few starts in April. And, I mean, I've been saying all year that I think he's going to end up back in the bullpen. Um, but I think this is different than April in that, A, he was complaining a little bit, if I remember correctly, about cold weather then. He's now complaining about sweating, uh, which is a whole different thing. I guess that has to do with the sticky stuff. Um, but also, I mean, it's the innings. The innings have concerned me all year. He's up to 81 and two-thirds right now. That's the most he's thrown since 2015. I just, between the poor performance, the sticky stuff, and the fact that he just hasn't thrown this many innings, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes these last two starts before. I think he only has two more starts before the All-Star break. And then he's in the bullpen and Tanner hooks up. Um, like I said, I've been wrong about Richards a lot this year, but it just, this feels like the end of the road to me. It's just not going well. Well, you said it yourself. On August 1st, all the other guys are going to get hurt. So then he'll go back over four. <laughs> that's that's a fair point. I forgot to factor that part in, though. All right, let's move on a little from Garrett Richards. Um, move on uh, to d- let some me guys just, who... L- Let me just add one thing. I think it's possible if the scenario that you have outlined comes to pass, which I think is very possible, and the scenario that I outlined uh, comes to pass where he's needed to make starts, if he turns into a bullpen guy and comes back as a starter, that could end up... I mean, most Garrett Richards starts now are like a bullpen game anyway. It might be... (laughs) That might be the idea next time uh, if he has a second go-round. So I... I think everything's up in the air. No, I mean that's fair. And I, I'm I made that point um on Monday saying I mean people were a little concerned about Tanner Houck only being able to go like four innings and I basically I mean the rebuttal to that is Garrett Richards is only going four innings if he's lucky and he kinda of made me look a little stupid because he ended up pitching it to the six, but I think the point does still hold. And maybe I mean maybe he goes in and that's the plan and they piggyback him with Whitlock or something, and he technically gets the starts. I suppose. I suppose anything's on the table, and I mean, maybe the new repertoire that we saw on Monday actually does work. But I'm not holding my breath. He will get tested. He will get tested this weekend in Oakland because that lineup, that lineup can hit a little bit, and Oakland is, Oakland is no joke. All right, now we can move on from Richards. Um, Want to move on to the All Star game? Um, everybody loves all-star voting of course who doesn't love all-star voting i actually did not realize that this is a multi-phase process um 
I do not know if this is a new thing or if I just haven't really paid attention, but we are now in phase two of all-star voting. The Red Sox have four finalists, four starters for this year's team. Uh, J.D. Martinez at DH, Xander Bogarts at shortstop, Rafael Devers at third base, and Alex Verdugo in the outfield. Uh, Devers and Bogarts were both leading their positions in the first phase. The tallies reset, I believe, for phase two, but they are still the two favorites. Do you think, A, do you think both of them make it? B, do you think either of Martinez or Verdugo make it as starters to start? Uh, I need to pull up the voting. I mean, I'm getting the sense, you know, if the Red Sox are already one at the top on the uh, left side of the infield, well, hold on. Oh, yeah. I I don't see, as they're getting better and the voting is uh, presumably picking up to some degree, I don't see them being dislodged. Um, outfield, <laughs> my gosh, Byron Buxton is third. That's incredible. Trout's first. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, Verdugo could, let me put it this way. Verdugo, <laughs> I don't think he would make it um, on the popularity contest uh, combined with stats the way that I think Xander and... Um, Devers are both I mean they're the biggest names at their positions in in the AL at this point Um, if you hit 110 mile per hour home runs off Garrett Cole these things (laughs) tend to happen Um, Verdugo also I don't know how much this matters to people he's been you know he sits from time to time he doesn't play as much as but that means his counting stats are a little bit lower than other players. So I would not bet on Verdugo to be a starter. Uh, and JD Martinez better not make it as a DH. He has no chance. Yeah. I mean, yeah. JD has, has no, no chance. He has no chance. And frankly, he doesn't deserve a chance. Um, no. It has nothing to do with him. He's playing fine. Otani is putting up one of these seasons we will talk about forever. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be one of the most memorable individual seasons of my entire life. It um, already is. It already is. It already is. But I mean, by the time it's done, it's going to be, like you said, I mean, this is one that we remember forever. This is, I mean, he's not, I guess, technically breaking records in the way that Bonds had some of those seasons when I was a kid in the mid-2000s, but it's it's a similar feeling and it's the similar staying power, the same way that we talk about the year bonds had an obp over 500 or all those seasons and obviously the 73 homers and oh this season's gonna be talked about this way and martinez i mean it sucks that he's part of it i guess and he i don't know that he really gets i don't think he's gonna be too upset about it but um yeah he has no chance to start i think i think it probably will be only bogart's endeavors like you said i mean i think verdugo gets a little bit of a help because Trout and Buxton may finish in the top three, but they won't actually play, so they would move up. So I guess Verdugo only needs to finish in the top five. But he was eighth in the first round of voting. I don't know that he's really going to be able to jump up that high. So, I mean, uh, he should. He shouldn't really. He shouldn't really. There, there are guys having better seasons than him. I mean, they're not on the Red Sox, and the Red Sox are obviously a very popular team. But there are. Based on just the stats, there are guys with better qualifications. Um, 
And then you get into the whole theory of like, oh, do we want to, the way people vote, want to mix it up and not have, the, I'm sorry, people who aren't just stuffing the ballot box for their favorite team um, vote. And that's to actually look at the numbers and try to put someone in there. And I don't know. I just want to say, I think the Otani thing, it's not as, while it's not getting as much attention as Bonds for many reasons, part of Bonds' attention was negative attention. This is like, this is the most like pure staying power achievement that you know when it's happening I mean, because the whole thing with Bonds is, even if it was unspoken, it was like obvious that there was something. I I am a Bonds defender, and I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Obviously, he's the best player of all time. He should probably be in the Hall of Fame. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that's controversial. But this is this is unlike anything you've seen since sport since the sport wasn't like fully professional. And the best athlete like Babe Ruth could just come in and do both. And it was still professional. This is like the, you know, this is as good as the players have ever been, ever been. And he could do both of these things better than anyone. It's, I don't know if it's more amazing than what Barry Bonds did, but I don't know if it's less amazing. Yeah, I don't really have – I don't really know how to describe Otani because I think he's the best – he's like the best player in baseball, but also in another way he's not even the best player on his own team. And I don't know. The whole Otani thing, it's its obviously been incredible to watch. And the only, like you said, there haven't really been negatives. The only negative is that his team is not good, which shouldn't hurt him in anything. It shouldn't hurt him in – not MVP voting or all-star voting, obviously, but, I mean, you mentioned the negatives for Bonds. That would be the only negative that I've heard around Otani, and I don't think anybody's giving Otani that blame. But, yeah, I mean, he's been – it's been pretty un- unbelievable. Well, I MVP really how to describe it. MVP voting is one thing, but all-star voting, where the fans can vote, he ain't never going to lose the all-star voting. Well, what was interesting is he wasn't among – He's not going to lose the voting for sure. He wasn't among the top five um, in baseball, which surprised me, though. The top five were Vlad, Acuna, Sal Perez. Royals fans are insane with yes, yes, uh, yes, also yes, voting. Yes, they are. So Perez was third, Trout was fourth, Tatis was fifth. So, I mean, I guess it makes sense, but I was very surprised that Otani wasn't among that top five. All right, that's fair. Um. But so you mentioned um, going back to Verdugo. You did mention that none of the players who are better than him um, are on the Red Sox. I'm not sure that's true. And uh, I wrote a little bit about it today, Monday or right. Tuesday, I should say. I don't even know what date is. Hunter Renfro, arguably having a better season than Verdugo. Um, a little bit better offensively right now. He's got a 115 WRC plus to Verdugo's 110. Um, you can give Verdugo some bonus points for playing a little more. He has 40 more plate appearances. Um, but, I mean, I think that's pretty close. And Renfro is – he's got a sneaky case for the All-Star team. I don't think he ultimately will make it or should make it. But he's having a season, I think, as good as Verdugo. And it's really not – I it hasn't yet at least gotten the attention nationally, I, I don't think. 
Well, the problem here uh, for this specific thing, it, because the, you, the numbers are not at issue, uh, is that it's the all-star game. And Hunter Renfro. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Just not move the needle. I mean, I think he would have to be... He's been very good. He would have to be great to, like, move the needle, I think, uh, when it comes to the All-Star game. And, frankly, if Verdugo hadn't, be tra- hadn't been traded for Mookie Betts, I don't think he'd be in the discussion either. He's just a known quantity who's more or less at the top of an incredibly potent lineup. Um, so I don't dispute that Renfro's case in a bubble is stronger than Verdugo's. I just don't think Verdugo's case is that strong, to start at least. I don't think Verdugo's case is all that strong to begin with. And Renfro has some hurdles that are hard to overcome when you're actually talking about like the national baseball landscape. I always thought, and I wrote about this many years ago, people talk about Daniel Nava and all-star like these discussions that get very internalized by fan bases. Like you, you're not, you're not recognizing player X, Y, and Z. It's like, well, I can see why players Y and Z have a tougher time getting recognized because there's just a lot to cut through. So Verdu, uh, the, the point to me is not that Renfro Will will not make the all-star team. It's just that he's been so good that it's uh, great for us, frankly. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know. I guess when I was, I, I guess I didn't say this, I guess when I was thinking about Renfro, I was thinking more of a reserve, um, if anything, which I don't even know how they do reserves anymore. These all-star rules have been become so convoluted. It's like 33% coaches and like 12 percent players and like media gets i don't know how it works but i think renfro has a better chance in that environment i guess than the coaches but i I mean i ultimately still don't think he's gonna make it i guess but um i do think it is interesting in comparison with verdugo that they are all things equal they're having basically the same season they really should at all-star weekend introduce a game where you're throwing guys out on third base from right field then Renfro would make it Renfro would be there um I don't think any team would let their player do it but that would be fun I'd let Hunter Renfro do it yeah you go out there and show off that python baby I think they'd just be afraid of somebody like overthrowing and like popping a shoulder throwing out their elbow or something um, We're afraid of everything that happens All Star Weekend. Lean into it, baby. 
I, I would be all for it. I just, I don't think, especially the Red Sox would. Robert um, Robert Ed, Robert Edwards would have something to say about that. Robert Edwards. Oh, oh is you that the guy, yeah, football the, player? The Patriots, Patriots running back who, after his rookie season, they were doing like a flag football game on the beach, and he just like his knee, and that was it. Was, yeah, I, that was his career. I think that was a little before my time, but I do I do remember hearing about that. I just want to make you feel old for a second. Oh, um, I don't need your help. <laughs> uh, sticking with Renfro, so I mean, Renfro has been. Cora said he's one of their best players, and he, he has been. I think if we're this lineup has been sort of two groups all season. It's been the core guys who have been great, and then the rest of the lineup who have been inconsistent at best. I think Renfro's pretty clearly joined the former group. It's now a group of five with Verduga, Martinez, Bogarts, um, and himself, and Devers, I think if you to say Devers. Um, is it worth talking extension with Renfro? Renfro is 29. He's got a couple more years of arbitration left. Would you just ride that out? Or are you would Is this performance enough to think you might want to lock him up a little bit longer term? I think that he I don't think that he is the type of player that they're going to look to, to to sign up longer term. I mean, I think the whole point is to exploit <laughs> exploit this right here, um exploit this value right here and then cross that bridge when you come to it. I do think he's probably playing the max of his abilities right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think I agree. He's been he's been a streaky hitter over his whole career and I don't I don't know that he's ever maybe he has. I can't honestly say I've followed the career of Hunter Renfro super closely, but I don't know that he's ever played this well. But at the same time, he's going to be 30 next season. Like I said, he's got two more RBRs. He becomes a free agent after 2023. Um I mean, looking at it strictly from a front office perspective, it's probably not the best idea to, I mean, I guess maybe if you're looking for something to just give some cost uh, certainty for those two RB years and you just sign him for those two years and he becomes a free agent at the same time, I can see that, but I don't really know that it's the best idea to, um, lock somebody up and guarantee some money for somebody who will be what, 32, 33, um, buy out those free agency years based on, a couple of hot months in a somewhat strange season. Um, I do like Hunter Renfro. He's been much better defensively than I thought he was going to be. He's made much more contact than I thought he would. Um, I'm totally ready to eat crow on my preseason thoughts on Hunter Renfro, but not to the not to the extent where I would extend him, especially with Jaron Duran coming up and presumably. The plan is for that him and for Dugo to make up two thirds of the outfield. I don't know that you need to lock up the third guy right now. Yeah, and I think that the the answer is that what will they do after the RB years? And it's just they'll just go find the the, the next Hunter Renfro. And ultimately, you don't need to have the entire outfield locked down at the same time. We've had that, and then we let them all go at the same time. So. Yes. Uh, so uh, maybe a little staggered situation might help them. I don't know. Yeah, I don't need to get hurt again so soon. I don't need to buy into an outfield sticking together for a long time, only to have it ripped away from me. So I think that's a good idea. Honestly, I wouldn't. it's too early for me to put too too much thought into this. 
it wouldn't be super surprising if he was a trade candidate this winter um, with Duran and depending on how they feel about Cordero. I mean, it's it's something to consider, but it's obviously too early for that. Um, but I think, yeah, I think the, the play is to just let things go as they are and hope this hot streak continues and take it from there. Um, I think the bullpen has been not getting enough credit, which is weird because I think they've gotten a lot of credit, but I think the bullpen has been, especially over the last few weeks, has just been incredible. The rotation kind of taking a little bit of a dive and being more inconsistent. The bullpen has kept them in a lot of games to come back, and they really have a core right now of six guys who Cora trusts, uh, Matt Barnes, Adam Montevino, Garrett Whitlock. Uh, Hirokazu Sawamura, Josh Taylor, and Darwinson Hernandez are all kind of rotating in and out of these big situations and coming through pretty much every time. Um, of that six, who who do you trust the most, and who are you most worried about falling back to earth? I mean, I think at this point, um, I trust Barnes the most. He's, I think he's done enough. Um, in the necessarily hardest spot that he's earned it. I know we talk about closers and saves not meaning things, but that's just not, I don't know if we even say that anymore because I just don't think it's true. Certainly psychologically, it's not true. Um, I would say Darwinson just scares me that control and uh, these are nitpicks with the way these guys have been pitching though. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair, and yeah, I it, I wanted to come up with somebody other than Barnes just to have a different answer, but I think that would be disingenuous, especially coming from me. Um, Barnes has just been great all year, and it seems like his MO in the past has always been he'll be great for a few months, and then he'll have a bad outing, and then that will just spiral, and he'll go six weeks where you can't use him, and it just, like, totally ruins his line and ruins the perception of him, and he's had a couple bad outings this year, and he's been able to come right back and look strong the next time out, which, I to me, is the biggest indicator of how different he is this year. So I do feel very secure with him in the ninth inning moving forward. I do feel pretty secure with pretty much all these guys, and I think Darwinson is a good choice for the guy to fall back to earth just based on his control um but just to change it up a little i am a little mildly concerned about garrett whitlock in the second half and not really because of anything he's done because he's passed basically every test and he's changed things up on the fly he's made some adjustments when he's needed to the stuff looks really good um the package is all there the only thing that concerns me is if they start to feel a little more pressure as the season goes on to use him a little more often, they've been very disciplined about spacing out his outings. He's coming off Tommy John. He hasn't pitched since 2019. This is a new role. He's jumping up from double A, all that stuff. There's all reasons for them to be cautious than they have been. But I wonder if the race is still tight. And I would assume it will be as we get into mid August in the final six weeks of the season. And they start to lean on him a little more. I am a little worried about him breaking down, but um, I guess if that is my actual biggest worry of the top six in the bullpen, that's that's probably a pretty good group. We've come a long way from the beginning of the year um, when it was Barnes and cross your fingers. Um, yeah, it's, re- it's really 
it's really good to see. It doesn't, I still don't think it precludes them from trying to get another guy. I mean, if the Rays, and I think we got to take our cues from the Rays to some degree, if they've shown anything, if they are never hesitant to just go get another reliever that they think can help them. Um, but we, we shall, we shall see. I, I'm, I love the way, I love the way things are going right now, which is again, why I said that if Richards becomes so bad they can't use him and Hauk isn't ready to go more than four innings or something like that, um, that a bullpen day... I mean, I think this seems like why they have Andres and they've just been holding him the whole time in case they need to use him for uh, like five innings one day. And it just never seems to happen. But people who want to DFA, get rid of him, I think, are... He's, a, he's the break glass in case of emergency guy. Um, and you want that in your building. It's a, you know, it's part of the fire code. So, uh, yeah, that's it. That's what I have to say about the bullpen. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think that's right. And I, we've talked about it. I do think that they should add another guy. And another piece of this, um, I don't know how soon he's going to be ready. I certainly don't know what I'm expecting. But Ryan Brazier should be back in the building at some point and Prazier is a little bit I felt he was a little bit of an underrated player coming into spring training obviously he's never really gotten off the ground this season between he's had some personal issues a few different injuries um it's hard for me to have the same expectations right now as I did maybe in February but two of the last three seasons he's been very good there's a chance they add another guy there um but to your point about injuries I think for me my issue with Andres is more that I don't know that I want to use a 40-man spot on a guy that can do that when I can just have, I don't know, Seabold or Hoke or somebody else there if I really need that, especially with the trade deadline coming up. They're going to have to make some 40-man decisions. I would probably sooner go with somebody like Axel Rios or somebody to DFA, but I, I kind of get where people are coming from with Andres. Well, for Brazier, what else did I want to say? For Brazier, for Brazier, you have to figure that January sixth was pretty hard. So he's got to get over that, Um, and then he's (laughs) going to come back. And uh, you know, he's been good at times. I do think that what you were saying about Andres, with regard, I'm just going to keep going Um, with Andres. I think you're right, though. I just think that Seabold and Hauk haven't been ready, um, and that they could be. that guys, but I do think Brazier would be a, a good addition. Paul yeah, I am. I am interested to see with Brazier, and I do. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that goes without saying for pretty much at least half this roster. Um, and to the point about trading for somebody, I mean, like we were talking, we were talking about the rotation earlier, and we kind of agreed that they probably didn't need to make a major move with the rotation. And we've mentioned this before: if you're not going to make a major move in the rotation, you might as well use like 60% of what it would take to make that move and make a big addition to the bullpen. There's always room. And the Ra- the Rays MO hasn't necessarily been going out to get the most talented, uh, most coveted reliever on the market, but I think that's where you can differentiate yourself from them. You can have similar philosophies in terms of the type of players you want to target, and you can actually go out and get the best versions of them rather than hoping that... Um, the lesser versions work out, which to Tampa's credit, they generally do for them, but I don't think the Red Sox have earned the same goodwill with their pitching development, even with the way the season has gone. 
Yeah, I mean, they see something Speaking, like JP Fire Ryzen has a huge oh vertical drape, uh, drop on his curveball, and they go get him early, way before other people are trading for things. Because, you know, this is sort of how they have to operate. The Red Sox don't have to operate that way. I would probably argue the Rays don't have to either, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, so, in college baseball news... The College World Series could be over as soon as tonight. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, Vanderbilt may have already won the championship, um, which is something that we care about because Vanderbilt has two of the more well-known prospects in the draft, including one guy who has been connected to the Red Sox many, many times. Uh, that would be Jack Leiter, son of Al. Is Leiter your top target for the Red Sox in the draft? I don't know. I honestly don't know how much draft... Um, stuff you read, but I know you like prospects, so I figured throw that out there. I do. I think that um, you, the two highest profile people in the draft, even if they've, even if their stock has fallen relative to the number one overall spot a little bit, um, in Leiter and Kumar Rocker, it's hard not to be excited about potentially having Jack Leiter on the team. He looks very good. His dad was very good. His dad's a good announcer too. Um, it would be, you know, it would be wonderful. <laughs> it would be great. And look at, look at how this ro- uh, rotation is strung together right now. And it's not, uh, anybody the Sox have drafted, right? It's all, it's all guys they've signed or traded for. Um, but you'd suspect that. First of all, there are names coming up. There's Seabold, Hauk, and Matta uh, next year. You'd think that they, because it's cheaper, would want to um, start filling the roles from within. And, well, Lighter wouldn't be as cheap as other draft picks. Uh, this is where you can get the best players in baseball. Uh, it, I think, you know, I trust Bloom as, in the draft is much as I trust him in any department. Um, and I don't think we need to read much into the gambit they pulled with Nick York and Blaze Jordan last year. I don't think it applies to this year. Um, you know, they're no, much, much higher pick. They're picking um, among the cream of the crop. And Lighter would be, there's nothing to complain about if they get him. Yeah. I mean, the impression that has sort of been going around and fan uh, kind of put it out in the open a couple weeks ago. Um, the Red Sox want Jack Leiter. Jack Leiter seemingly wants to go to the Red Sox. Fan was reporting that, um, he was kind of raising his bonus demands to the first three teams in the drafts, hoping that they, um, decide get a little scared and decide to um pass on him and let him fall to number four i'm not so sure it's gonna happen but i am pretty much 100 percent sure that if lighter's there at four the red sox will take him my only concern with lighter really has nothing to do with the right with uh the pitcher and has everything to do with the red sox and their history of developing pitchers there is a part of me that is concerned about having a pick this high this is the highest they've picked in like 50 something years at number four um, and picking a pitcher and just not being able to develop him, that does scare me a little. And I do 
have some fondness for the two big high school shortstops, Marcella Meyer and Jordan Lawler. I certainly wouldn't be mad at that. But um, if Leiter was there, like I said, if he's there, the Red Sox will almost certainly take him. I will be as excited as anybody. And I think it will be the the big test for Bloom's new regime. And it's not necessarily all on Bloom, but just the philosophy of how he might change pitching development and whether or not the Red Sox problems over the last 10, 15 years has been developed more men are just being bad at identifying talent. Um, I think we will start to get some answers to that question if they do pick lighter. And I'm excited as excited as I am to just see lighter potentially pitch in the Red Sox organization. I am also excited to get those answers, but, um, I'd probably still prefer one of those shortstops, but lighter would be right there with it, and I would not be complaining. I can see that. I mean, I'm looking at the draft order. The Tigers pick third. I find it hard to believe the Tigers are going to pick one of the pitchers. Um, Now, that doesn't mean that just based on, like, young pitching does not seem to be their problem. They seem to be pretty loaded with young pitching. Now, you can always have more. And that just leaves the Pirates and the Rangers. Now, the Rangers should never pick pitchers under any circumstance. They're always going to be bad for the Rangers. doesn't matter who you pick. They're going to be bad. Um, which leaves the Pirates at one. I mean, Pirates will screw anything up. So, yeah, lighter to the Sox. Put it down. Um, and if not, then they can take Kumar Rocker or one of the shorts. The thing is, they're all good options. Uh, when you're picking, yeah, I mean, when you're picking at four, you're gonna have you're gonna have good options, and there were some whispers months ago um, that they might look to go under slot and save some money for a later pick. I don't, I don't think that's gonna happen at this point. Um, we did have a Jack Lighter question. I guess we can get to right now before we finish up a couple things. Um, Alan Chang asks if you think that Lighter's draft stock uh, fell at all after. Monday's so-so performance um, against Mississippi State. I will say I have a little bit of a problem with uh, calling this a so-so performance. I thought it was pretty solid. Six innings, two runs, three hits, three walks, eight strikeouts. It's it's a little better than so-so, I think, on the biggest stage in college baseball. But um, I don't don't really think that would hurt his stock, do you? No, I do not think it will hurt his stock. All right, let's move on from the draft. Just a couple more things before we finish out, and I can go back to a room with air conditioning. Um, are the Yankees toast? Are they done for in the division? I won't or say just it generally. I won't. I won't say it, but I'm thinking it. <laughs> I let me just say. I'm gonna say. I'm, it. I'm loving every day. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I am too. Probably not as much as you because you're in New York, but I am too. Um. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they pulled themselves back in the race and they get at least a wild card bid, but I, I I think this is too big of a hole. They're seven and a half games back, and there's three teams ahead of them in the division. Fangraphs gives them a 12% chance. I'm going to say it. They're toast in the division. Like I said, they can still make the playoffs, but as far as the AL East goes, put a fork in them to me. All right, I'll do it. My Hey, Matt said I should. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. I said go it. Do- I'm, I'm giving I'm you permission. All- I'm going down to the stadium right after this. <laughs> Thank you. Please don't get arrested. All right. Uh, so last thing, halfway point of the season is Wednesday. Today, when you're listening to this, is the exact middle game of the season, game number 81. Uh, so let's 
quick awards for the first half. I think these are all pretty simple, but we'll see if we're on the same page. And then uh, the second half, we'll do some predictions as well. Um, first half MVP? Xander. Yes. I agree, although Devers has a case. I'll go Xander. Somewhat close one. Uh, pitcher? I mean, I want to say Barnes. I want to say Barnes. Damn it, he took my answer. I think it is Barnes. Um, I mean, I think there's a case for Evaldi, certainly, but I don't think he's been consistent enough. And Barnes, he's been doing it all season. Like like I said, there's been a couple of bad outings here and there. That's going to happen to every reliever. But he's been so consistent. So I think that is the right call. I was a little upset that you just said that. I'm going to get the next one, Ruining too. Ruining my plan. I'm going to get the next one, too. So, For biggest surprise? Yes. It's Pavetta. Get... Pavetta. Hmm. That is gonna... a good one. Are you going to say Renfro? I was debating between Renfro and Whitlock, and I thought you might say one, so I was going to say the other one. Um, I'm going to say Whitlock because my general assumption for any Rule 5 pick is that they're not going to stick with the team. And he's not only stuck with the team, he's arguably their second best reliever right now. Um, and he's certainly in the top six, and, have, and he's part of the core of their bullpen. So, I mean, Pavetta's a good pick. I I guess he hasn't been quite as consistent to me as Renfro, at least for the last two months, and then Whitlock all season. But, I mean, they've had a lot of surprises, which is how you surprise your way to the top of a competitive division. You just maligned Whitlock. And now you praise him? Make up your mind. <laughs> I maligned him? I don't think I maligned him. Please, Whitlock family, know that I did not malign your son. All right, second half predictions. Uh, MVP. Xander. Probably the same one, yeah. Um, this one, I'm interested to hear what you think. Best pitcher for the second half. I'll say Ivaldi. I'm tempted to say Chris Sale, but I don't think he's going to come back soon enough. Um, I'm going to say Eduardo Rodriguez. I think he's looked a little bit better lately, and he always seems like he should have been doing better than he had been doing. I think he just needed a little confidence under his belt. I, I'm i going to predict Rodriguez goes on a big run, and so he will be my answer for the other question too, which would be uh, the biggest turnaround for the first half. I... Love that answer so much. See, now you got revenge on me. <laughs> um, the biggest turnaround from the first half. Yeah, it has to be Erod. I mean, I'd, I'd love to pick a different answer. I mean, the 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 cheating one would be to say that the uh, the leadoff spot will turn good, but that's just planning on uh, Duran taking it, which Durant. he might, well, which, I mean, that which he might be... not, which he might not. So. Well, so the last question I had was a bold prediction for the second half. I, mean, I didn't know if you were going to go there. I mean, at this point, the bold prediction with Duran would be that he doesn't come up this year at all. Yeah, that would be awful. It, but I that's really not the type that, of bold but, prediction yeah. I want to weigh. Here's my bold prediction. Garrett Whitlock, uh, get, sorry, Garrett Richards, whether as a starter or reliever, will be usable by the end of the year. Okay. I don't know how bold most people will find that, but I think that. That's not what I think is going to happen. So I don't yeah. think it's going to happen. That's why it's bold. My bold prediction is that uh, Kike Hernandez 
will be one of the five best hitters in the lineup for the second half. So I'm not going to say which of the current top five falls up behind Kike, but I'm going to say one of them does, at least one of them. I think Kike, he's been swinging a better bat lately. I think he's going to get hot in the second half. I mean, by that you mean it's Renfro or Verdugo, so you don't have to you don't have to pick between or JD. them. JD hasn't been quite the same. I don't know. It's possible. He's an old man in baseball terms. But yeah, probably Renfro would be the easy choice, but that's not as bold. All right, one last question from listener Norm. Very important question here: Fruit Loops or Apple Jacks? I haven't had. But either of these in like 25 years at least my memory is that i prefer apple jacks however me too however if i ate a box it wasn't like oh i need another box of apple jacks because it's such a specific taste um fruit loops are just sort of eh, eh, <laughs> I'm going out. Why you Fruit Loops when you can have Fruity Pebbles? Would be my question. Definitely prefer the Fruity Pebbles. I loved Apple Jacks. I liked I liked getting them a little bit soggy in the milk. Not like totally soggy, but just a little bit softer. That was I had a lot of cereal growing up, so Apple Jacks were one of the best. Fruit Loops are boring. Alright. Well, that's a little harsh. They're fruity goodness, but um, like I said, I would prefer Fruity Pebbles if I'm going to eat a Fruity Cereal. I'll take the Pebbles over the Loops. Yeah, but you can't let the pe- just me. can't let the Pebbles get soggy. You got to eat those things fast. You got to eat those fast. That is true. I like uh, Rice Krispie treats with Fruity Pebbles instead. Ooh, more like mixed in there. Ooh, that's good. nice. My friend's mom used to make those a lot. Yeah, those are good. All right, that's enough cereal talk. That's probably enough talk in general for us this week i hope you enjoyed today's episode if you did please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and uh, also leave us a rating and a review if that is an option where you do happen to listen to podcasts Uh, please recommend us to your friends and family help us get uh, some more listeners and uh, follow us on twitter i run the over the monster account at over the monster brian is at brian joiner brian with a y joiner with an i and you can find all of our writing at overthemonster.com. And we'll be back with you next week.